Well, good morning, Harvest. Man, well, I know it's been stated from the stage, but I too would like to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, Man, we just want to celebrate you guys and just give thanks to the Lord for all of you. And also, we know that this day, this celebration, this holiday may be a day of rejoicing for some, and we also know that this day may be one of grieving for others. And so we want to live out the Bible. We want to rejoice with those who rejoice, but we also want to grieve and weep with those who weep. And so if you're weeping, please know that you do not have to weep alone. We have pastors and elders who would love to pray with you and for you and and walk with you and bear this burden with you. And so please do not weep alone if you are weeping. Amen? Amen. And so we are continuing our series through the book of 1 John. In the first John, uh, it is written by the Apostle John, and it's all about the assurance of your salvation. And so, which is why we titled it Assurance Knowing That You Know. And so, um, as John writes this letter to a church who we believe is in Ephesus, he is writing this letter with a dual purpose in mind. The purpose is first, he wants to refute the false claims that have seeped into the church. But also, he wants to assure the true believers of their salvation. As a matter of fact, one of the, the theme verses for the book of 1 John, it is on the screen. It is 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, where John himself says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So John wants to assure this congregation of their salvation, that it is genuine and that it is true. And as he does this, he does this by by giving just assurances through walking in the light, through walking in obedience and love, and we will get to those things throughout this book. And it's all with the intentions to encourage the brothers that they are in the faith. And so last week, Bill kicked off the series, and as he preached, he, he preached on the first four verses and talked about how John was an eyewitness to the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Bill beautifully unpacked for us what does it mean to have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. He talked about how we are to proclaim the gospel since we have fellowship with God. So this morning, as we continue going through 1 John, um, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there with me. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. In our passage today, what we're going to see, we're going to see three things in our text. We're going to see the character of God. We're going to see the claims of false teachers, and we will also see the confession of believers. I'll say it again. We will see the character of God, the claims of false teachers, and the confession of believers. If you guys would stand with me for the reading of God's Word. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, and it reads this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of God for the people of God, and the people of God say, praise be to God. You guys may be seated. Let me pray. Father God, Lord, you are holy. 
You are perfect and true, God. Your word, it is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. Father, I pray, Lord, that in the next few moments, you would glorify yourself through the word being preached. Lord, that we would have ears to hear from you. Lord, that we would respond to the preaching of the word with worship. Lord, speak through me in this very moment, God. I pray that I would decrease begging for you to increase. Lord, be glorified. God, may we magnify you, Lord. May we stand in awe of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's in his glorious name I pray. Amen. Amen. And so first point would be the character of God. As John is writing this, he begins this passage by saying the the message and the words that he is about to declare, it is not his own. John is not the originator of this message. He didn't create this message, but it is the very message that he heard from the Lord Jesus Christ because he was an eyewitness. And the content of this message is is all about the character of God. In verse 5, he says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In this one verse, John places great emphasis on the truth that God is light. He says that God is light, and then he says it again in a different way, only to communicate that God is light. And in our context, with this word light, as it refers to God, it is talking about two things. It is that God is holy and that God is true. It is God, it is that God is holy and that God is true. And if we studied these six verses, we would see that because in our passage, you will see these words repeated. You will see words such as lie. Liar, truth, light, and darkness. And if we put these words together, what John is getting at is that God is holy and true. And he says that God is this way at all times. There's never a moment when God is not holy and God is not true. See, God is not like you and I where God has these good days where he's holy and true and God has these bad days when he's not holy and true. That is not our God. That is not the one true God. He is holy and true at all times. As a matter of fact, growing up in my home church, we would say a phrase to one another, and we would say that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. What John is saying in this passage is that God is holy and true all the time, and all the time God is holy and true. If I could illustrate this, I would say, um, so growing up, my sister and I, her name is Keisha. Um, I used to always hang out with my older sister, and we would just hang out after school. And one thing about my sister is she wanted to be a lawyer. She wanted to be a lawyer. And so as she wanted to be a lawyer, what we would do after school is when we finished our homework, we would literally watch TV shows, and we would see um, lawyers in action. And one of the TV shows we would watch is the famous Judge Judy. Oh, yeah, we was watching it. And so um, in Judge Judy, my sister would just observe the lawyers in action. And one thing that the lawyer would do is they would call a witness to the stand. And as they called the witness to the stand, the witness would have to stand there. And the bailiff would ask him, they would say, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And in that moment, the witness is saying that what I am about to say is completely true. It is not distorted. The truth is not twisted. But what I am going to say, it is fully true. And in our passage, in verses 1 through 4, we see that John was an eyewitness to the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And as John is an eyewitness, if John was to stand on the witness stand, John would say that I am telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that truth is that God is completely holy and completely true. There is no falsehood in God. God does not lie. And because God is light, because God is true, that means there are ethical implications for us who follow Jesus Christ. Because we have right relationship with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved. We are reconciled. And so this truth that God is holy and that God is true has ethical implications for us. It's to transform how we live our lives because we are in right relationship with a God who is holy and true. And there is no fellowship between light and darkness. And so we see the character of God. Secondly, we will see the claims of the false teachers, which is the next, um, our next, that is our next point in verses 6, 8, and 10. If you guys read the first three words, it would be one phrase, and this phrase is, if we say. And that was the claims of the false teachers. And so let's get to it. Verse 6, John would say this, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so during the time that um, these false teachers, they made this claim to have fellowship with God. They made this claim that they know God, and yet they walked in darkness. Let's unpack what it means to walk in darkness. Before we do that, let's unpack what it means to walk. Because if we can understand what it means to walk, then we will understand more clearly on what it means to walk in darkness. And so this word walk... What it means, it is a, a lifestyle, a continual practice of doing something. And so what John is saying is that if we walk in darkness, we are living a lifestyle, a continual practice of walking in sin, of, of walking in lies, of, of walking in the things that are evil, and, and just our hearts are in glad rebellion against the God of the universe. And what he is saying is that those who have placed their faith in Christ, we do not walk in darkness. Brothers and sisters, there is a difference between walking in darkness and committing a sin. There's a difference between walking in darkness and sinning. When you walk in darkness, what that means is that sin reigns on the throne of your heart, leading you to obey its passions. But when, you, when we, by, by God's grace, who have believed in Jesus Christ, we do not walk in darkness, though, unfortunately, we still sin. And so for those who have placed their faith in Christ, it is not as if we are sinless. And I'm going to get to that because the text gets to it. But what John is saying in this passage, that it is fundamentally impossible for one to have fellowship with God and walk in darkness. Why is that? It is because when, before God saved us, we were in darkness. But when God saved us, he called us out of darkness, he delivered us from darkness, and he has made us new creations in Christ Jesus. He has given us a new heart, a new spirit, leading to new desires, which leads to a new walk. And so for we who are in Christ, we cannot walk in darkness. And I'll show you, I'll let the Scripture speak for itself, how it is fundamentally impossible to have fellowship with God and walk in darkness. The verses are on the screen, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. It says this, that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. 
First Peter chapter 2, where Peter is getting at our identity now that we are in Christ, he says this, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so, brothers and sisters, if we have truly placed our faith in Christ, we no longer walk in darkness because sin no longer reigns on the throne of our hearts. And it is not that we are sinless because we're not. But we do not live this continual lifestyle of glad rebellion to the God of the universe because he has made us new in response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that is the first false claim. The second false claim is verse 8. He says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so during this time, the false teachers, um, they not only made the claim that they have fellowship with God while walking in darkness, but they also made this claim that since they have come to know God and experience his anointing, they have a sinless nature. And what John is saying that if we say this, we are lying to ourselves. We are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Why? Because the scriptures make known that although we have placed our faith in Christ and we are saved by grace, sin still remains inside of us. Romans chapter 6, Paul just maps it out beautifully in Romans 6 when he says, that shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. He says that we have died to sin and we are made alive in Christ. So sin no longer reigns over us. And in verse 12, he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. And in that moment, he is saying that there is sin that is still present, but you, followers of Jesus Christ, you can deny yourself. You cannot let sin reign in your mortal bodies, leading you to obey its passions. So sin doesn't reign in us, but sin still remains in us because the very same Paul who wrote Romans chapter 6 also penned Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 through 26. And he talks about this civil war that is going on in the Christian. And he says, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit, that way you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And so sin does not reign in us who have placed our faith in Christ, but sin still remains in us. So we cannot make the claim that we have no sin. We cannot say that we are sinless. And if we do, we are deceiving ourselves. As a matter of fact, if you have been a Christian for quite some time, you wouldn't make the claim that you have no sin. You would say the very opposite. Because when we place our faith in Jesus Christ and as we progress in sanctification and God making us more and more like Jesus Christ, we become more and more aware of how sinful we really are. Which leads us to be all the more blown away by the grace of God. Leads us to be blown away all the more by the love of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. So we cannot say that we have no sin. Because sin still remains in us. Brothers and sisters, there will be a day where we can truly say that we have no sin in the new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. But that day is not today. We look forward to that day. But we cannot say today that we have no sin. 
we'll be deceiving ourselves. And the third false claim, verse 10. He says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So this claim to not have sinned, it is to make God a liar. And what we saw in verse 5, that God is light, and part of God being light is that God is true. The scriptures make known that God cannot lie. As a matter of fact, this makes God a liar because all throughout the scriptures, God says that we have sinned against them. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we cannot say that we have not sinned. Not only that, but to make this claim is to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ himself. Because the very reason that God sent his son was because that we have sinned and our sin has separated us from a holy and just God and our sin deserves punishment, judgment. And so if we make this claim that we have not sinned, we are rejecting Christ and we are rendering the work of Christ as worthless. We render his work, his life, and his ministry, his death as worthless. Because Matthew 1 says, you shall call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. So we cannot say that we have not sinned. And brothers and sisters, pretty confident not many of us will make this claim that we have not sinned. Not many of us would verbally confess that we have not sinned. But the truth is, we can also function as if we make this claim that we have not sinned. Because when we are not confessing our sin, we are functioning as if we are claiming to not have sinned. When Joshua Chapman does not confess his sin, Joshua Chapman is functioning as if I am claiming to not have sinned. And brothers and sisters, that ought not to be so among those who have placed their faith in Christ. We are fully aware that we have sin. We are fully aware that we have sin inside of us. And so we are not to be those who deny it, who conceal it, or who make the confession that we have not sinned. And so we see the character of God. We see the claims of false teachers. But lastly, let's see the confession of believers. Verse 7, he says this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so John is saying that um, he is defi- we have defined the word walk already. What it means is it is a lifestyle, a continual practice, and because God is light and we have right relationship with God through faith in Christ, as believers, we are to walk in the light. And it does not mean that we are sinless. But we walk in the light in response to the gospel, and we do this because we are children of the light. That's what Ephesians 5 talks about. Those who are children of the light, we walk in the light. And part of walking in the light, because God is holy and it is true, and he's true, what that means is that we also walk in pursuit of holiness. And we speak the truth to one another. And as we do this, by the grace of God, we draw nearer to God and we draw nearer to one another and we have fellowship with one another. And Bill has beautifully unpacked for us what does it mean to have fellowship with one another. In this context, it is talking about the relationship that believers have with one another, this mutually edifying and encouraging one another in the gospel 
It was created by God himself. This relationship, this fellowship created by God that he invites us into through faith in Christ. We draw near to him. We walk in the light, which leads to even more joyful, intimate fellowship with him and with one another. And as I've said, walking in the light is the pursuit of holiness. But it's also speaking the truth. We speak the truth with one another. But not only do we speak the truth to one another, but we also speak the truth about our sin. What it means is that we acknowledge our sin against God, that we have sinned against God. And and John makes it known that part of what it means to walk in the light, it is found in verse 9, and he says that it is to confess our sins. He says in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so part of walking in the light is acknowledging our sin before God. Because all of our sin is first and foremost against God. And so if we're going to walk in the light, we don't deny our sin. We also do not conceal our sin, but we are to be a people who confess our sin. And if we have sinned against someone else, we confess that to them as well. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And so we not only confess our sins to God, but we confess our sin to one another. What would it look like, Harvest, brothers and sisters, if we to genuinely be a people who confess our sin to God and to one another? Brothers and sisters, what would it look like if we were to confess when we've sinned against our spouse, against our neighbor, against our coworker? even against our children. What would it look like if we just went to our brother and sister and be like, hey, Nathan, brother, I have sinned against God and against you by my anger, by my harsh words. I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? You'd be very specific in our confession. What would that look like? What would that look like if we've sinned against a coworker or we say, Jess, I have sinned against God and against you by gossiping about you. I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? What would that look like? It is sobering. See, what one thing we like to do is we like to say, like, man, my fault or my bad or I made a mistake or that's my struggle, and we try to, like, excuse it, or we try to highlight it or make it beautiful than what it really is. But what if we were to be more biblical and actually call our sin, sin? And in that moment, when we do that, we're bringing our sin to God, we're bringing our sin to one another, and we're also, by implication, saying that we are in need of a Savior. We're saying that we are not the Savior. As a matter of fact, as I was studying this text, God continued to rock me with this. And there were so many times throughout this this study that unfortunately I've sinned against my wife. And so I had to go to her. I went up to her. I was like, man, hey, honey, baby. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you by being rude, by my tone, by being short with you. I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? 
And by the grace of God, she showed me so much grace in that moment. She forgave me. And in that moment, when she, when she forgave me, it led to even more fellowship between her and I. See, my sin separated me from my wife in that moment. And yet, we were still married. So when my sin separated me, it wasn't that we were no longer married. We were still in right relationship, but there was this hindrance that ruined the fellowship, that began to destroy and ruin the fellowship, and that was my sin. But when I confessed it to God and confessed it to her, by the grace of God, she forgave me, led to more joyful fellowship between her and I. And so, brothers and sisters, what would it look like if we were to be a people who genuinely confess our sins, not conceal it, but be honest and confess it? And brothers and sisters, let me be honest real quick. You can confess your sins and still walk in darkness. You can confess your sins and still walk in darkness. As a matter of fact, we just finished a series in the book of Exodus. And twice in the book of Exodus, in the very beginning, the very words of Pharaoh, he said to Moses, I have sinned against God and I have sinned against you. And yet the scriptures make known that Pharaoh's heart continued to be hardened. And so just because we confess our sin, it does not mean that we are walking in the light. Because there's a component that is necessary to show that we are walking in the light. And that component is that our repentance. It is by our repentance that shows the genuineness of our confession. And that word repent, what it means, it means to turn around, to change from one direction to another. If I can give an even more specific definition of repentance, it is this, that we acknowledge our sin for what it is, followed by a godly sorrow that we've sinned against God and that we've sinned against others that brings about a change of our behavior. It is acknowledging sin for what it is, followed by this godly sorrow. Our hearts are broken that we've sinned against God and that we've sinned against someone else that brings about a change in our behavior. And so, brothers and sisters, the mark of the Christian is that we bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And as we walk in the light, we can have this assurance of our salvation. We can know that we know that we are in the faith by our walking in the light, which is this ongoing pursuit of holiness. It is this confession of sin. It is the turning away from sin. And it is the walking in obedience to the commandments of God. And as we do this, John promises that the blood of Jesus Christ will forgive us of our sins. John promises that as we walk in the light, we'll be forgiven and that we will be cleansed. And he grounds this promise of forgiveness in the character of God. He says that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so God is faithful. He has made the promise in the new covenant that he would remember our sin no more. And yet God is just. And because he is holy, he must justly deal with our sin. He cannot wink at it. Hebrews 9 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so, brothers and sisters, how is it that God can be faithful and just to cleanse us and to forgive us when we confess our sins? 
The answer to that question is found in verse 7. He says, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It is the blood of Jesus Christ is the reason that God can forgive us and cleanse us of our sins. The blood of Christ, it is the only remedy towards our sin. And so what God did, our sin separated us from a holy and just God. God sent his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God. Jesus came on this earth, wrapped himself up in human flesh, and he lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. And he suffered and died in our place and for our sins on that cross. And that's not the end of the story because three days later, he resurrected from the grave and he offers forgiveness and eternal life and salvation for all who repent of their sins and place their faith in Jesus Christ. And so the blood of Jesus has washed us when we placed our faith in Christ to where we stand before God as holy and without blemish justified. But the blood of Christ is not only so powerful to have washed us when we believe, but the blood of Christ continues to wash us as we confess our sins and turn away from it. He is continuing to cleanse us, to make us more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. If John was writing a hymn because of this passage, the very words would be this. What can wash away my sin? It is nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so the blood of Christ is our only remedy. The blood of Christ is the reason why God can be faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And so, brothers and sisters, as we walk in the light, this pursuit of holiness, this ongoing confession of our sin when we sin against him and sin against others, this ongoing turning away from our sin, but God promises that he will cleanse us in his ongoing obedience to him in response to the gospel of Jesus Christ in response to his love that was demonstrated for us through the death and resurrection of his son. And so harvest, may we be a people who truly walk in the light. May we be a people who confess our sins, who turn away from our sin, who walk in obedience to God and pursue holiness for his glory in response to the gospel. You don't do this to walk in the light. You do this because you've been saved by grace, and now you walk in the light, so you do this in response to the gospel. We do not do this to be saved. We do this because we have been saved. Huge difference. Because God has saved us, and by grace, through faith, we're in right relationship with God. We walk in the light in response to the character of God to the fact that he is holy, and to the fact that he is true. So brothers and sisters, may we do this. The worship team is about to come. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to just sit, take some time to sit and reflect on the holiness of God, on the fact that he is light. And as we stated, part of walking in the light is that we confess our sins and that we repent of it. And so we're going to take the next, next few moments to reflect. And if we have sinned against God in any type of way, 
We confess it to him in that moment. But also we have um, just our ministry team standing in the gaps. And if you're on the ministry team, please make your way to the stations. And if God is doing a work in your heart to where you just feel this burden, this need to confess to someone else and receive prayer, we will have people standing in the gaps who want to pray with you and want to pray for you. And if you are not a believer, this is the one true God. He is holy. He is true. He is just. But he's also faithful for all who turn away from their sin and believe in his son will receive eternal life and receive cleansing. So if you have not placed your faith in Christ, today can be a day where you can be washed clean by the blood of Christ and you can be adopted into the family of God through faith in Christ and you can become a child of God. You can be a part of being children of the light. So the invitation is for you to repent, to be cleansed, and to believe. Amen. Let me pray, and then we'll sit and reflect. Father God, Lord, I thank you, God, that you are a God of truth. Lord, that you are holy, that you are faithful. Lord, you are worthy of our worship. Lord, I pray that, that we would be a people who walk in the light that we would confess our sin to you. Lord, that we would not conceal it, but that we would confess it and that we would receive the cleansing by the blood of Christ. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. For it is our only remedy. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.